This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. This is The Breakfast Grill and I'm Mark Tan. Do you enjoy eating peanut butter crackers? If you do, there is a high chance that it would have been a Julie's Biscuit. Established in 1985 by founder Su Chin Hock, this Malacca-based local brand has become one of the largest biscuit manufacturers in the country and is one of the Malaysia's success stories exporting to over 80 countries around the world. This morning, I speak with Martin Ang, director of Julie's Manufacturing Center in Berhad, to find out their plans for growth, the changing retail landscape, challenges exporting abroad, and whether the company is still profitable in a very challenging environment. Martin, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Mark. Now, Martin, you have been with the company for 36 years. <laughs> How has yes. the journey been? And as the Director of Sales and Marketing, are you still gunning for the top leadership position? Yeah, that's a very challenging question. I haven't been long in the company anyways. Uh, yes, for sure that uh, we are actually expanding. But we find that there's a lot of uh, opportunity for us to grow further. Right. So are you going to be number one anytime soon? Well, I think it's not a question that we want to aim for number one, right? I've been Julie for the last 30 years, I mean, this brand. And we find that uh, we can have a lot of things to offer to our customers, and both domestic and abroad. And we find that uh, very interesting in the way that our journey. So I think we can cater for a lot of overseas and, uh, I mean, domestic market as well. Now, in terms of domestic market, is your market share still around 16 to 18%? I think we are growing anyways, uh, Mark, because uh, we find that the momentum is going and uh, we discover that there are quite a number of products that we launch. It seems to be a very positive response. So we find that a very positive momentum is uh, gaining so far. Okay. But back to the market share. So is, is your, has your market share improved to above 20% or are you still at 16 to 18%? Uh, it's, it's still there anyway. Yeah. Still hovering around that range. Yes. Now, you mentioned about products. So how does Julie's Biscuit differentiate their products from competition? Because everyone will say they have a better quality product. Oh, yes, Mark. I think I, I would say that Malaysian produce uh, many biscuit players. I would say they are very good in producing quite good quality product. And I believe each and every one have their own uniqueness in terms of promoting their product. So I would say, honestly speaking, that um, maybe ours is a bit different in a way that because we had to identify what is not only just for domestic market, but at the same time, we have to see what kind of product we suitable for overseas. So talking about products, so traditionally, Julie's Biscuits' most well-known products is the peanut butter sandwiches and love letters. Yeah. Do they remain your best sellers and still contribute about 25% of total sales or has the sales mix changed? I think the sales is growing. The 25% is still more or less about there. Because over the years, we come out new items, uh, new SKU and other kind of thing. And then uh, other than peanut butter, which everyone loves it, I mean, from day, day, day one, 30 years back until today. And love letters during the seasonal time, I think, as you know, Mark, right, especially CMY. And, um, well, we have other range of products, which actually in the last 10 years that we launched at the Oat Biscuit and the uh, Le Monde Cheese. And the lemon biscuits, which is selling quite well and well accepted in the market. Now, you mentioned oat biscuits just now. Yeah. So, how have your products evolved with the changing taste of the Malaysian customers who probably are seeking something a bit healthier these days? Low sugar, high fiber content. 
So we are, we know that as consumers is looking into this kind of healthy biscuits. So actually, oat have been heavily promoted. So I think we have a very good response from that. Now in terms of the healthier, your sugarless oat biscuits range, yes. what's what's the contribution to revenues? Well, I think it's growing in terms of uh, as you just know just now, it's about twenty five, about thirty percent from love letters and uh, these uh, peanut butters. I would say oat biscuits is growing about five to eight percent now. Okay. How many new products have you launched over the past five years? Well, maybe in the last five years, we have not more than five. Yeah, the latest one is Charm, which is, I think we got a very good response because there are two flavors, which is tiramisu and double chocolate. And we did a big launch and uh, I think many Malaysian which is a chocolate lovers and a coffee lovers, I think they find this is something very interesting, something different because this kind of product, to be frank with you, it took us about nearly five years for R&D to really come out with this particular new product. Right. So how much R&D is invested to launch a product? R&D is, I would say, it's like for a new product, sometimes we had to allocate certain kind of budget for a new product, you know. We may just say 3 to 5%, you know, in, in terms of the total revenue spend on all, all these new product development. Now, after your product is launched, do you have a profitably threshold to decide whether to continue the product or to cut your losses? Um, I think the... We will continue because knowing that uh, new product, I mean, Rome is not being a day, right? So what we did is uh, we need to be very patient and we need to do a lot of uh, kind of uh, activity, promotions. As you know, that this thing is believing. So we had to give a lot of sample. Right, but let's say, for example, you've launched a product and after three years, after four years, it's still not making money for the company. Do you terminate the product or you chug along uh, okay, and carry on? Let's say overall, I think it will take time. So if for dramatic market, it's, I think, three years for us, enough for us to get ready. I mean, in the sense that whether this is uh, profitable for us to continue. It may not, then I think uh, we will definitely find another strategy to check with every one of us, our, our team, and find that uh, whether do we want to continue, give another one more year shot, you know, for this kind of product, or we should stop to away. So if continue another year, example, and if we think that it's no good, then we find that we may have to drop off. Now, in 2020, the company spent 3 million ringgit to give the brand a refresh with a clear objective to capture the younger demographic market. How has this branding exercise performed in driving top-line revenues? So I think it's time for us to do some kind of engagement with the young people. And we know that the young people uh, nowadays, I think the, the generation are very different. And then uh, we feel that that's necessary for us to, to carry out this. And um, and the new look, new feel, and we see that the packaging, that kind of thing. And I'm pretty confident that maybe perhaps, because we still have to spend a lot, I'm not speaking, a month to, to do the rebranding exercise, you know, putting in the social media to tell people, hey, look here, now is the new look of Julie, from old to new, you know, that kind of thing. So definitely we spend a lot. And I don't, I don't see any kind of, uh, I mean, instant kind of profit, that kind of thing. But I think we can see the next, two, three years, we are able to see some kind of good return because this year itself, we see a very good response actually. Right, Martin, you're absolutely right. So the, the 3 million ringgit was just spent on the rebranding exercise yep. to change the logo, to change the packaging. Yep. But how much has been invested in terms of advertising and media? In the last three years, um, maybe perhaps over the revenue, we may be spending about 15% over percent actually. 15% of yeah, revenues? Marketing, 
and all the activity and the kind of thing uh, above the line. Yeah, so I would say that we spend a lot actually because this is the big exercise. Right. Obviously, yes, it's a very important exercise and you said it's the first rebranding exercise after what, 35 years yes. with the old Julie's logo. Yes. In terms of your split between above the line, below the line, how much money was spent on digital and social media marketing? Because, oh. you know, your targeted objective was to reach the younger segment. We see from the social media response, you know, more and more younger people starting to engage with us and uh, and we can see that the numbers of uh, followers are actually coming up. Well, I think we spend sizable amount of uh, in, in that. Maybe perhaps wait, just now I mentioned fifteen percent. I think most like five percent something like that, go into social media. Yeah. Now, so after three years, and you're saying that right now you're seeing some positive results from the rebranding exercise. So, what's the average age profile of your consumers? Has it really gotten younger based on your sales data? Oh yes, yes, for sure. I think we we have, we also get some kind of. Uh, feedback and uh, some kind of research you know, in a way and we find that the younger generation are coming back to us and and yeah this is uh, I think that we are making the perhaps making the right move but do you have some sort of data that says that before this rebranding exercise the average age of a person buying Julie's Biscuit would let's say be 45 years old and then after this rebranding exercise the average age would be 35 well I think uh the data, I think we get it from, uh, mm-hmm. right, and uh, who are the who are the customers are buying actually all the kind of things. So, and we discover that the more youngest generation are actually like what just now you say, from the uh, the forty plus one, and I can see that now uh, I think forty and below there are many of them coming and engage with us, and even the thirty and below, you know, the kind of thing. So from the data, I think we can see that actually. Now, for financial year 2022, Julie's Biscuits recorded a revenue of 293 million ringgit. And these numbers are still somewhat short of pre-pandemic performance, where the company was hitting revenues of about 327 million. Now, what challenges is Julie's facing and what's accounting for the shortfall? Okay, I think as you know that uh, in, <clears throat> in 2020, when the pandemic hit us, right, and then it's uh, followed by 2021, and during the time, I think we our factory had been uh, uh, requested by the MOH right to close down. So all in all, I think we lost about a month kind of uh, production ca- capability, right? So we are not able to deliver. Actually, we have a, a lot of order from overseas abroad. So in in that, that month, particular months, I think we are not able to produce. So I think we lost a, a lot of business opportunity there. Easily, I think we lost about 10%. So for financial year 2023, will Julie's business get back up to that 330 million type of revenue range? Oh, yes. I, I'm pretty uh, say that uh, we have a good momentum this year. And actual fact, the first six months, uh, uh, we are growing double digit now. So we are able to hope, we are able to achieve what... Uh, what we had did before, actually. Now, in terms of post-pandemic, has there been any changes, particular your distribution channels or even the retail landscape? Has the post-pandemic changed behaviours of your consumers and your distributors? Oh, yes. As you can see that now the behaviour, everybody is talking about when they stay at home. You see that what they did is, I think they buy a lot of things online. So, I think after post-pandemic, of course, people coming up. The economy is back, in a way, I can see. And... And some of the very unique retail stores are coming up also. What do you mean by unique retail store? You know, a smaller format. Mm. It's no longer like the big hypermarket, big big store, that kind of thing, which is, I think, you know, very challenging to to maintain all these big... Those were the days when you like to go to shopping with the big retailers, no? But today, you see that many small formats are coming up. 
On The Breakfast Grill this morning is Martin Ang, Director of Julie's Manufacturing. After the break, we talk profits, exports and funding for expansion. This is BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. Welcome back to The Breakfast Grill, when the hot seat this morning is Martin Ang, Director of Julie's Manufacturing. Before the break, market leadership, new product launches, new logos, new packaging to address the competition. Now, Martin, Julie's Biscuits FY 2022 profit before tax was 2.2 million ringgit. And the company has remained profitable over the past five years throughout the pandemic years. But how do you account for the profit before tax margin dropping down to 0.75% for the financial year? Whereas Julie's Biscuits used to be as high as 5.8% back in FY 2020. Well, Mark, uh, as you know, 2022 and uh, especially 2021, beginning of 2021, we can see that uh, the cost of all these goods have been going up, actually. Uh, why that so? As you know, that during that time, I think especially the cost of uh, the freight cost, the commodity price of the product, you know, ingredient and everything went up. And during that time, you know that the US dollars again ringgit, all right? And then affected us. The increase of commodity and the, everything went up to, let's say, 15 to 18%. But we are not able to follow, you know, 15 to 18%, with, even the, with the currency there. So what we did is, that's why we we went down to all the way to increase about 8 to 10%. All right. So you can see that's a big shot at there, actually. We really want to capture more market share now. Okay, that is our direction. So that's where the results show. So this was obviously in 2021 and 2022. Yep. How's 2023 looking at? Actually, we have already, end of 2022, we have really taken some action and we have already raised up quite numbers of price to all our customers. And that's why I think we can see some, some I mean, positive light coming to us. Really. And as I just now mentioned to you, maybe perhaps you will not see a single digit, maybe you will see a slightly better, much better actually this year. In a way, and as I just now mentioned to you, perhaps the next two years, because we want to build our market share. So what kind of profit margin does Julie Biscuits aim to have moving forward the next two, three years? Where well, we hope to have double digit, to be frank with you. Okay. The export market now contributes about 60% of your total sales with over 80 countries and continues to grow year on year. Now, has Julie's Biscuits focus shifted from domestic to overseas market? And what is your target split? Yeah. Uh, why we need to go abroad in a way because way back 15 years, 20 years ago, we are exporting less than 20 countries. And we know that we had a capacity. All right? We had a line and we find that, eh, hey, look here, we still can produce more for abroad. So in the last 15 years, I think we managed to get more and more customers coming in and then that's why I think today we reach more than 80 countries. Look at ASEAN market, it's about nearly 700 million population. Right? Everybody tries to look at China, 1.4 billion, you know, with two countries combined into 2.1 billion. And I, I feel that why don't we go further a bit in the sense that somewhere in the Latin America, Africa market, Central Asia, Mongolia, maybe perhaps this is a lot of untapped market. So you are the director of sales and marketing. So in terms of your five-year business plan for your export market, at the end of the day, what kind of split are you looking at? I think the local market will definitely will grow for sure. But I think ratio why we will end up to see that if we were uh, in the next three years uh, looking into 100 countries, all right, and uh, I would say maybe ratio perhaps of 65, 35, or even the highest 70, 30. Yeah. Okay. Now, in terms of Julie's, do you all get any assistance from the Malaysian government, example, like agencies like Martrade, to help you open new doors for exports? Oh, yes. I think we need Martrade to be praying with you. I need to say thanks, Martrade, for what we are at right now today. 
and uh, many many agencies as well, you know, to uh, helping us in the sense that uh, going to a broad market and then supporting us you know, in the early days to give us some grant, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think we work very closely with the Madrid, MITI, even the, the locals, the FMM. Yeah, so these are the bodies that are actually playing a very significant role. Right. Now, how does this global synergy platform help Julie's Biscuits with its export business? Well, big global company actually came about uh, because we are exporting to more than 80 countries. And uh, all of them are actually distribution company in their own respective country, and they are all distributing uh, food and non-food products. So uh, what I discovered that, uh, yeah, maybe perhaps we should form a global company, mean to say global buying house, mean to say that we can source product, you know, and supply to all these 80 countries. So and, and anyway, this uh, GBS uh, short form uh, is already incorporated, it's in 2018, and... Uh, as you know, there are a lot of challenges that we face. Actually, going abroad, it looks like, oh, I want to go overseas easily. But it's not easy because there's a lot of challenges, mean to say, trade barriers. There's a lot of uh, requirement, regulation, you know, you have to go through all these things. So anyway, these are something that we have experienced through Julie's. And uh, we can bring the product to all these 80 countries. Now, where is Global Synergy Platform Incorporated? Actually, it's Singapore and Malaysia, yes. All right. And Julie's owns about 10% of the platform. Yeah, yeah, we okay. own it. And the rest is actually owned by all the right. agents, my shareholders, actually from all these 80 country partners. Now, obviously, you're very passionate about the export market. So out of these 80 countries and soon to be 100 world countries, right, which are your largest export markets? Uh, it was China before 10 years ago, but today it's... Uh, uh, sorry, it was Singapore before, you know, 10 years ago, but today it's actually China. All right, as I just now mentioned to you, is uh, we see the momentum. I think we are going to get 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 back the uh, the kind of uh, momentum, maybe perhaps in the next two three years. And we have a very good plan that we are going to move forward. We are very fortunate to have a very good partner in China because it's very important. And one China is not one China. One China to me is thirty over country. So we have quite a few big uh, so called distribution companies in China that really helping her to promote. Now, your manufacturing facilities are all here in Malacca. Yes. Right. And obviously, for you to export to China, there it would be a significant amount of logistics and storage costs to distribute over there, which I presume will eat into your margins. How do you ensure that China remains as profitable as your domestic market margins? Well, uh, Mark, remember one thing. I always tell many people that if you really want to have a good durian, example, Musang King, all right. It's not one year you can get the full fruit, you know, up to seven years. All right. So my meaning to say is I, if you want China market or you want some market, you need to build, you need at least to be patient because at the end of the day, you want to enjoy the good fruit. Okay. As you know, the good fruit means you say, oh, I want the best Musang King, but it's seven years. So my meaning to say is sometimes can be more than that. So you have to be very patient. You know the market and you make sure that you work with a very good partner have very good passion with the, and have the same vision as you. Now, when it comes to China, in terms of your distribution channels, is it mostly brick and mortars retail or is it mostly e-commerce platforms? Yeah, e-commerce coming up very very fast. As I just now mentioned to you, is that 10 over years ago, we are nowhere. Mm. We are nothing. Maybe perhaps just only 2-3%, you know. All right? But today, after the post-pandemic, we were very surprised that it went up to 50-50. 50-50. Now, in terms of profitability, which one provides you a better margin? Is it the e-commerce platforms or is it the traditional brick and mortar? Well, it really depends because the cost of serving the market is getting very high, especially the retail side, you know. 
And as you know that the man man powers are not getting going up and everything. I think I would say that uh, it's all very much depending on how you really want to promote your things. So I I would still say that uh, maybe perhaps this uh, e-commerce, yeah, online will be have a better margin now. Better profit. Because you know why? Because uh, when you talk about the uh, offline, especially the retail. You you have to you have to give them the credit and then they they pay you within ninety hundred twenty days, and uh, you may have issue with retailer which is uh, having hard time and we will just drag to six months, so it's a thing that bound to happen. Right, collection issues with yes, the brick and mortar, exactly. paying for the shelf space. Yeah, yeah. Now, as an industry veteran, Martin, why does Malaysia have so many biscuit makers? Well, I think it's interesting because each and every one have their own uniqueness. Mm. And I believe that they have their own USP. So I I'm very proud honestly to see that many Malaysians actually they are they are very good in that actually. Then for me, as far as biscuit is concerned, we happy to see more players coming in the market. Uh, somehow or others they, they compliment us. What I mean by compliment, sometimes I find that they they are very innovative in certain certain way, you know, when they come out certain product, the way they presented it, the way they packaging it, the design it. Then we find that, hey, look here, Malaysian standard, it's good. So for me, I feel that, well, it helped us to improve further. So this is something that I really learned from, I'd rather see this kind of thing than, than I always see that I don't, I don't see any, anybody else is improving that kind of thing. That way I'm going to learn from anyway. Now, every businessman wants to make money. And you're talking about so many players in the market. Do you think the industry is ripe for consolidation? Well... It's not necessarily we think of domestic market. As you see that the world have perhaps 200 countries and we are actually in the 80 country and moving to 100 countries in the next few years like Central Asia. Africa, Latin Africa, America. Yes, exactly. This, this are the market. Why don't we go in? Hmm. Actually, if you go to uh, all the Pacific Island like Shishel or sorry, this the other one is called New Caledonia, Wanatu, uh, Samoa Island. Actually, Julie is there. Right, and then we are very fortunate to get a one good distributor who can manage all these small islands with 30,000 population, 50,000 population. So we really want to go into all this market because, hey, look here, Mark, we want to tell the whole world, look here, Malaysia, we are are from Malacca's very small state, less than a million population. We are in Alugaja, 26,000 population. But we are exporting to more than 80 countries. We want to tell the whole world, hey, look here, Julie can produce world-class quality. Martin, under your directorship, Julie has very aggressive plans for international markets. But it is a Sindrian Berhad, and you're using an internally generated cash flow to fund this expansion. So will Julie's Biscuit consider an IPO to raise funds to obviously be even more aggressive in expanding the export market? I think at the moment, we, we prefer to be more family-owned, right? And uh, maybe in the near future, we don't know yet. But so far, I think we managed quite well in a way uh, because... Uh, uh, we are actually Sandian Berhad in a way. So mm-hmm. it's a family owned and we can make decisions very fast. All right. Within a few people, so we can make decisions and we just say, okay, look, yes, don't worry about this. And then we just go forward, let's build the market because we are now in the ATO country. Maybe perhaps we should go into handover country and make sure that uh, we build and have a strong footing, build our brand there. And um, maybe we'll see three years to five years down the road, we we have a sizable kind of market share and perhaps maybe we can see more profitable uh, return. And then after that, consider an IPO? Maybe. We do not know yet. No plan for that at the moment. No plans for that at yeah. the moment. 
Okay, Martin, thank you very much for your time. On the Breakfast Grill was Martin Ang, Director of Julie's Manufacturing. This is BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.